Welcome to the Every Thought Matters podcast, where I get a chance to talk to people about their thoughts, their journeys, and have a little fun and hopefully learn something about ourselves along the way. So please click like, subscribe, leave a rating, leave a comment, and thank you so much for listening. It truly means a lot to me. Have a great day, and remember, every thought does matter. This episode of the Every Thought Matters podcast features Jamie Reynolds. Jamie is a man of many hats, including the front man for the band 1967. He talks about the, his musical career, starting out learning piano with his grandma at the age of four and going from there. This is a wonderful podcast, too short, but was amazing. We talk about cover bands and an eighth grade cover band that he had and so much more. I love this conversation and thank you for listening. Enjoy. All right, we're on the Every Thought Matters podcast with Jamie Reynolds with the 1967 band and a sales guru as well. I've known Jamie for forever via email and finally get a chance to talk to him. Welcome, Jamie. Hey, Kelly. Glad to be here. Thank you so much. No, I'm just glad you're here. And for our listening <laughs> audience, you and I got to know each other through a gig that you had on Music Supervisor. Is that correct? Yes, musicsupervisor.com. Still work with those guys from time to time. Yeah. Absolutely. I bought some music from you guys for my first film called Geico. And ever since then, you know, I've always I've referred you guys to everybody and their second brother and their third cousin. Just That's awesome. Been, well, it was an easy process for me. And I'm not, you know, trying to get salesy here, but it was very simple for me as a filmmaker to figure out and find the right thing. And I found the perfect thing from a guy named Al Hammerman and it worked perfectly for my film. So I'm grateful Mm -hmm. that I got in touch with you and got lucky and found the right music and y'all were really nice. So what's going on in your world now? Yeah, that's great. I do remember that. The film was called Geico, you said? Yeah, Geico, Dating Insurance for Men. (laughs) Yeah, we found a piece of music that worked and it was fast and easy, easy to clear. And the licensing process was easy and comprehensive, right? It was nice. Yeah. Yep, no hassle. Mm-hmm. I think it was great. And that is just one of the many hats you wear. What I mean, you've got a, like a band now, which is really freaking cool. Tell me about that. Yeah, I appreciate that. The band that I have is called 1967. And I've had that band since 2011, so we're going on a decade now. Wow. And we, yeah, we just started releasing some new music first time in like seven years, actually this year, sort of near the end of the tail of the pandemic here. Yep. Um, I think we started releasing some songs in March. I think we've, we're going to release our fifth song here, end of the month, called Uncle Dan, and then we just released Not That Good Yet, kind of a punk song um everything's on apple music and itunes distrokid.com and all that fun stuff but yeah we've been kind of working on that recently with the band it was like it was hard to play live right but uh, uh yeah <laughs> i was like hey let's let's do that get some stuff out again because i had recorded uh, about five songs with john kurzweig who had produced creed's first three albums and puddle of mud so it was fun to work with him over in Santa Fe, New Mexico, when the band was based out there. 
back between 2018 2019 nice so that was cool i was like hey what am i gonna do with these songs and sitting around for a while well hey let's start releasing them <laughs> nice so you know what yeah what's your role in the band are you the front man your singer bassist mm-hmm. drummer what i'm the front man lead singer primarily and uh, on these most recent recordings i actually did play bass nice um and I have played bass live as well and done the lead vocals too, different various lineup changes and things. Um, but yeah, basically guitar and, and singing primarily, songwriting. Nice. Um, what made yeah. you get into this? Or did you been dabbled with you know, being in a band? Like, were you in a band in high school and then you just did it again? <laughs> Where did that start? Yeah, I'm glad you asked. It did start a long time ago. I grew up in a musical household uh-huh. um, up near Seattle, Washington. So I was basically raised in the Pacific Northwest. And yeah, we had music, musical instruments laying around. Started on piano at four years old with some piano lessons with my grandmother. She was a musician as well and a performer. Her and my dad are performers. Um, she played piano for about 80 years. So she taught me piano, you know, four or five years old. And then it kind of, I think three, four years later, it went into bass guitar and drums or something like that. If I remember, I think it was drums is what I got into next, like eight or nine years old. And then uh, bass guitar and then finally guitar. And then, you know, I've been singing since I was, gosh, maybe a second or third grader as well. You know, because you'd sing in school, right? Songs right, and things yeah. like that. but. You know, sure. music class, and we had no. We had drum sets, we had organs, we had pianos at the house, guitars, basses, amplifiers, keyboards. <laughs> like that's you could funny. Just, you know, yeah. I relate so. that back to a gal I had on my podcast about a month ago, Christina Rose. She basically was grew up in the Partridge family, so it, <laughs> she was around music all wow. the time too, and. She's got that great Broadway voice and you got all these instruments and learning piano. Once you know piano, you can play guitar pretty, you can pick up the guitar pretty well, correct? Yeah, you can. And we, you know, I was taught to read music uh, actually in in band, starting middle school band when I was, I I played percussion from, you know, sixth grade till I graduated and learned to read percussion music too. So that was another thing, but uh, That's yeah, not easy at all. Percussion, I've seen that. My dad is—you probably didn't know this. My dad was a music teacher for twenty-five years, even though he was a better musician than he was a teacher. But I remember seeing that mm-hmm. percussion music from that he would lay out for our drummers, and like, how do you even read that? Yeah, it gets a little funky sometimes. Yeah, I mean, you get used to it. I had a harder time reading notes, notes personally, though, like on piano. And like, I just, I was not a fan of that. Interesting. I'd, I'd learned a piece, you know, when I was six, seven, eight years old, I'd learn, learn it. And then I'd like throw the music away. It's like, I don't need this. Like, I got it. <laughs> I, I have a friend of mine that doesn't even, has never been trained on piano, but can just sit up has got, and he's in his twenties. He's out in LA somewhere and he's just, you can just sit down to a piano and start playing something and it's just beautiful. But Oh my gosh. Yeah, I know. So much talent. And, yeah. Right. I mean, dude, the piano is so hard because there's so much to know and 
you know, those little three button thingies on the bottom. I never learned piano. I was never a good musician. I didn't get it from my dad. One of my brothers was. I was a trumpet player in high school, but in college. Nice. Not very that's good one. Challenging instrument. I thought it was the easiest one, so that's why I picked it. Even though oh, I yeah. was always a wannabe drummer. I mean, I was always jealous of the drummers. <laughs> oh yeah. Always. Yeah. I could play a B flat scale on a trumpet. That's about it. Yeah, me too. That's about all I got, really. And I can <laughs> I my fingers look you know, can probably just do that just from muscle memory alone. And that was you know, 40 years ago, almost. Oh, yeah. Exactly. So, wow. Huh. Yeah. Whoa. Wow. My, my dad was a reed instrument player, so, and he could play, he could play anything. I saw him even play a French horn for, and, and did it well. So. That's incredible. Yeah, we, uh, I started my first band in eighth grade. It was a Nirvana <laughs> cover band. No kidding. That's awesome. So we played the eighth grade like? graduation. It was fun. We played the eighth grade graduation. We played the cultural fair that year. Um, so that was like my first gig, you know, live gigs as a kind of a formal band. I did have a band. I had a three-piece band before that. Wait a minute. Yeah, it was like sixth grade uh, where I played bass and one of my friends played keyboard. And then I had a, we had a drummer and we just played instrumental stuff, like covers and things that we had created. Like, I think it was the first time I ever wrote a song was around that time, like, you know, 11, 12 years old. Wow. Um, like we won a Halloween dance mm -hmm. contest or something like best costume. And cause we performed in addition to that or something. Yeah. <laughs> you, we came from a small town. So, I mean, we we're, we we're big fish. So like... <laughs> yeah, big fish, little pond. So everybody gravitated yeah. to you. That's great though. But that, See, because I knew you just from a guy who's worked with music supervisor and, and all of this musical background, like a Nirvana cover band in the eighth grade. That's just cool to me. And I, wow, to be able to do that at, at and at eighth, God, in the eighth grade, I had a hard enough time talking to girls and you're here covering Nirvana. Good Lord. Tell me about it. Yeah, we, awesome. yeah, like I would, I'd figured all the songs out, played guitar too. That's how I started really playing guitar a lot more. I think it was after mm -hmm. Kurt Cobain passed away is when we got real motivated. I got motivated to kind of like, hey, we should probably do something here. I was already playing his music at that point. It was kind of, it was a big blow personally. Yeah. And uh, like all our emotions are running so wild at that time, you know, in our life. So it was like, hey, let's get motivated. Let's do this. We got a guy on sax to do all the cello parts for like the unplugged style stuff. And then we, yes. We had a keyboard guy who played, he played all the bass parts because he could convert sounds on the keyboards at that point yep. in time. And then we had the drummer and the drummer sang backup harmonies and I did all the lead. And I think we played some Soundgarden too. Of course. Like Spoon Man or something, if I remember yeah. right. <laughs> but cool. You were totally immersed in the grunge scene as it was happening as a formative junior high kid. How, that's right. That's amazing to me. I mean, if, if it was me, I'd look back on that and go, wow, I, I was so lucky to be there in the middle of all that. Aside from, you know, obviously Kurt's passing <clears throat> a huge blow to the music industry, but that gave us Dave Grohl, who's to me, is God, but uh, yeah, 
He creates great Still. dad rock for sure. Dad rock. Yeah. Absolutely. Exactly. As, as he says. Yeah, I know. That's that's I've never heard it <laughs> called that, but that's still perfect for Dave Grohl. It's dad rock. That is I've never that. heard that. That's no, that is perfect. That describes Dave Grohl perfectly. There's He's like, whatever. Every, it's just, you know, whatever. Like, we don't care. I mean, it just covered covered the beaches or something recently, which so yeah, that's dad rock perfect. That that makes all the sense. And I never thought of it that way, but you're right. So, what is your musical? In, I mean, you've obviously got a, a grunge, Seattle sort of influence from your formative years of growing up, but is that still part of 1967? Oh yeah, absolutely. The grunge scene, like you know, like Pearl Jam and um, Nirvana, Soundgarden, Alice in Chains, Screaming Trees, like all those bands from up in that area, right? And there's many, yeah, well, there's many more afterwards, like Candlebox oh, and. Um, I was a huge Candlebox fan. Oh yeah, there's another band that I was into, Green Apple Quickstep. They're kind of a blurt, but they were cool in the region at the time. Yeah. Like the mid '90s. Um, <laughs> and then I think you had like the Breeders were coming out. Like there's a bunch mm -hmm. of stuff coming out. Um, but yeah, I was also influenced heavily by older rock and roll like from the late fifties, early to mid sixties as well. And yeah. some seventies stuff and like rush and three dog night. Weird. And uh, like some weird kind of like just the things that your parents and your brothers and sisters were into Metallica. Big, uh, big that's probably my favorite band. Really? Yeah. Either you can't go. My biggest memory is uh, that video one from them that just, I, knew who metallica was before then but then when i saw that video i was like i, I was hooked because that was yeah you know a ridiculously great video and the song it was it's even more powerful and it was I agree. so heavy and so edgy and like i still i still watch that video but i love metallica i i have very fond memories of that absolutely yeah. you're right no, it's, it's a great video. I remember my buddy saw it when it was first came out, and he was like, we should stay up and watch Headbangers Ball. So yeah, we stayed up to like midnight or one o'clock in the morning just to see one. Yeah, because that's such yeah. a, a powerful video. We were super young, too. I mean, we shouldn't have been staying up that late. <laughs> yeah, well, we all did stupid stuff when we were young, and staying up late is not the worst of it. But Yeah, right? Right, yeah, I saw I mean, them live at the Black Album. Oh, no kidding! Um, that was a great show at the Seattle Coliseum. Nice. Um, now called Key Arena, but um, yeah, yeah, that was like my first concert. That was cool. That, that was, was like, that was your first concert, huh? Yeah. Wow, that's phenomenal to me. Because I remember Nate, I was living in Omaha at the time and the Black Album just came out and they sold out uh, Omaha's uh, auditorium, which was like 8,500 people. It was, you couldn't find a ticket to that thing. And I was like, Oof. wow, how, who are these people? And, how, and then I saw the one video and then I'm like, oh, okay, that makes sense. And the Black Album was, you know, obviously it's a timeless piece of work, but. Um, mm -hmm. And it's funny, I would kind of want to go back to Rush and Three Dog Night. How did, I mean, those were two 
Street Dog Night was passed on to me by older brothers and sisters. So I've always listened to them and they're, they're some of my go-to songs when I really need just, they're, they're, for me, they're comfort food, but Rush, I've seen, I think I've seen them twice. And oh, wow. There's nothing yeah, I've like seen them once. Pert. Nothing yep, like some, Neil Pert. Absolutely. Yeah, that was a great show. Saw those guys live. Yeah. It's like I'm I glad was, I got an opportunity to do it at least once. Yeah, and watching a Neil Pert drum solo is just ridiculous to me, but and I could never do that. And that was very influenced because I was in the band and I don't know about your in high school band. Were you in the high school band too? Oh yeah. So in the high school band, the seniors and the juniors, you'd ride on the band bus. They would influence what whatever you listen to. You didn't have a choice when you were a freshman. So they were all into Rush and, and heard some Zeppelin, some Black Sabbath. All that kind of stuff got passed down to me. I can never, I'll never forget that. Because it's like, that was what, how I learned who ACDC was and Rush. And it's quite, mm -hmm. that made an impression on me. Because of course, and the, the other part to that too was and you being a drummer, you know this. You guys, the drummers always were the coolest people in the band. Because they were the kind of, could just leave the band and go do something and get into a band really quick. The saxophone player, yeah, probably not, not in high school. No, <clears throat> that's right. Yeah. You <laughs> yeah, guys three were dog always night, the cool man. people. Like, yes. Three Dog Night, they're a band. I mean, I'm sure they're still played on the radio, but like they were huge. Like that's all we listened to is like is their greatest hits. Like we were listening to their greatest hits when they were like done for years at that point. Yeah, you know? that's kind of what happened to me too. That and like Tommy James and the Shondells and those kind of guys. That 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 was all passed down to me because I I'm the youngest in the family, so I got to listen to all that. Your musical influence sounds just so varied, and you do you blend all of that, or is you kind of sit on the grunge and then just throw in the elements of like three dog nights had great vocals and like rush has neil pert was just like this incredible writer how do you blend all of that together to come up with one sound or is it what i know that that's, work? that's a great question just kind of pick up the guitar and just start you know playing a riff and seeing what comes out naturally and i'm sure all of it's squished in there somewhere uh, and then I've got like, you know, like I like bands like Meshuga and and Corn and, you know, mm -hmm. like a lot of progressive metal or like speed metal and um, math rock and all that stuff. Like there's a really great band called Botch that was out of Seattle. They they were from like, I don't know, 94 to 02 or something. Right. But they were just kind of a regional band, but they had big shows in Seattle and when saw them live like they play with bands like neurosis you know what i mean yeah and th those kind of bands that were like a little heavier edgy kind of uh-huh like, like full-on metal and like dark black metal these guys are like screaming 100 yeah. of the time botch they were like totally like offbeat you know rush times seven you know whoa and then just yeah. screaming and complete aggression <laughs> like very off rhythm like nothing was on beat at all completely really? off rhythm, all the way through the song yep are you 
that's fascinating that you could in the middle of all that screaming you could know you as a music you know i mean you're a musician obviously and i've got a lot of friends that are the guy who does covers and whatever and you guys can notice that it's on it's on the upbeat not on the downbeat I yeah could, wow that's cool yeah, that you can do yeah, that the, that's a, the band i was in was kind of like that too but we were a little more melodic like tool but we were pretty crazy like rush too and hints of incubus and metallica and and system of a down and all that is like kind of what we were into at the time and bands like norma jean you know those are a good band too and there's there's a lot of like we got into a band called the bled for a while they were a great band from tucson um you, what's really cool yeah. about this is you got to be in seattle in the, in the northwest in the middle of this explosion and see it firsthand and that to me is a lifelong experience and now you're trying to translate that into 1967 is and that's kind of yeah. cool to me and we're, absolutely we're this, how did this idea come up with i mean you've been in bands all throughout your life since you were a kid so how did that yep. come up with you to say mm -hmm. okay let's form a band and you knew people because People who are in bands know everybody who's in bands, right? That's usually how that works. That's right. And I had a band called Prozac Staple for a long time since I was like a freshman high school all the way to my mid-20s, late 20s. Uh -huh. And um, that finally went away. And like we'd open for Slayer and, and Breaking Benjamin when they were coming up and Head P.E. and Sliva, uh -huh. uh, Mastodon, Killswitch Engage, fan of both of those bands, by the way. Uh -huh. We worked with Jägermeister tour a lot and Jäger music, and that was still pretty popular. And then, uh, yeah, I had all that experience in that band. And then uh, I had moved to Arizona, uh -huh. come late, like sort of before 2010, and living down there. And then got out of the relationship that I was in. So I was kind of like, hey, wh wh where do I go from here? Uh -huh. <laughs> And then that's where I started like thinking about starting a band because that's all I really knew, you know, 30 years old. I'm like, Hey, what do I do from here? I'm in Phoenix, Arizona. It's hot as hell. Yeah. It's 2011. Yep. I'm just out of a, uh, you know, a relationship and I'm like, I don't right. know what the hell to do here. A bunch of songs came out, went through a lot at that time. And I think I wrote about 13, 14 songs just for a really short period of time. And, uh, I made a demo of me playing all the instrumentation to find musicians to get, you know, to play around me and get a band together. Yeah. That's how I did it. You know, that's how I did it. And, uh, yeah, <clears throat> found like the first lineup, put all the songs together with those guys and then played around the Arizona area for like two years or so, maybe mm -hmm. 2011 to 2013 played, hundreds of shows per year played colleges played clubs all over the state of arizona la <clears throat> yeah excuse me you're fine and this then great uh, and then we uh and then i moved to washington state on a temporary basis i was going to come back after that summer because it's like i don't want to do any more arizona summers and then ended up uh meeting the mother and my child and then sort of the rest is history right yeah that's awesome <laughs> higher power had another plan for me yeah my life but uh yeah i bounced around did a lot of it in 
did the same thing in Washington with, I recruited other guys up there that I had known over the yeah. years and played the same music, did some covers, had fun. I think 2014, 2015 kind of died down and the birth of my daughter and then uh, oh, 2016 and then kind of got out of there a little bit again. And then we moved to Santa Fe, New Mexico. That's where I met John Kurzweil. He recorded these like last five songs that we're kind Jeez. of promoting right now. And here That's we are. Wonderful. I love it. This, I mean, you're, in, not in Portland, busy. Oregon now. That, that's where we're at now. We're in Portland, Oregon. We're in Portland, Oregon. I'm, I'm, in, I'm, in, I'm in Portland, Oregon, yeah. And you've got a producer that's got a pedigree, of a very good pedigree. What are your songs about? What do you write about? Is it you writing exclusively, or do you, do you work with the rest of the band to write the lyrics? Who does that? Well, I, I, wrote, I write exclusively with the exception of... Uh, not that good yet, which is the one we just released last month. I wrote that with Jeremy Wood from uh -huh. a band. He was from he's from a band called Authority Zero, pretty well known punk band from Phoenix, Arizona. Okay, you know, think of your Pennywise type bands like that's that's what kind of band they are, okay. like face to face. And um, but yeah, I ended up meeting him at a lot of open mics in Arizona, and yeah, he came over. He's got these. I got these riffs, Jamie. Check it out. He's like, I want you to write. He kind of directed me on what to write the song about lyrically. Like he just gave me an idea. And then I wrote the lyrics. That's, That's the only fine. exception that I can think of. I think an older song we have called Love Sublime. The bass player, Jordan Courtney at the time, he, he co-wrote that with me. Like he had a lot of the music and the riffs to it, like bass lines and things like that. And then I kind of put it all together for him. So do the riffs come before the lyrics then, usually? Usually. Huh. Usually. I always wondered that for bands. I've never been in a band and I always wondered where whether the lyrics came before the riffs. Because like, like, I grew up with a buddy of mine who was a big guitar thing and I always knew Eddie Van Halen would just go sit there and play his guitar and then all of a sudden they would come up with a song around all of it. He would just be jacking around and boom, all of a sudden there was this great song. So I yeah. was like wondering if it was the riff before the lyrics and then I knew for him and Van Halen and Van Hagar, I think that was sort of the case. Yeah. Another, another influence for me, Van Halen. Absolutely. Wow. Um, when I was real little, like my sister and brother were listening to them. The Panama video was played a lot in our house. <laughs> we had like yeah. an old VHS. It was like, I don't know if my sister recorded MTV or something, but yeah. Um, yeah. I was like, that's where the, you break the tennis racket out and you start jumping around to Panama or jump, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll <laughs> Michael Jackson uh, beat it yep. too. I was a big, right. Big fan of that. Uh, big influence. Yeah, he, he got paid zero for that from what I re read somewhere. He just went in and did it. <clears throat> Van I don't Halen? Think it was a, yeah. Eddie went in and did that uh, riff from beat it. I remember nice. reading that somewhere. Oh, but, yeah. Yeah. You just got like everything under the sun from speed metal <clears throat> to Van Halen to Three Dog Night. I, that's an incredible influence to come up with. I mean, the Four Tops, got, man. That's a great band. Oh, the Four Tops. Oh, my God. Jeez. Yeah. Heck yes. Um, I 
just yeah. saw a video from 1987 where Bruce Willis was with the temptation singing under the boardwalk with the temptations. I'm like, dang dude. And he actually did well. Mm-hmm. It's pretty awesome. I mean, Bruce Willis actually nailed it. Cause that's not an easy song to sing. No, and I'm, I, I became a fan of Betty, Buddy Guy in the last decade or so, too, and kind of oh, discovered wow. him. And who did I just discover the other day that kind of blew me away? God, I can't remember who it was. Oh, oh man. It's a band called, they're actually from Portland, Oregon, and LA. They're like a mixed bag of like where all the band members are from, but they're called Cigar. They're a good band, really great band. So you got some songs that are coming out and I know we're coming close to the end of this, but you got some songs that are out and coming out. Talk about like what this means to you guys, the, the band and your core group. And are you planning on touring? What's, what are the mm-hmm. next steps besides releasing these songs, you know, on iTunes and wherever, you know, wherever else that you can find download music. What's next? Absolutely. Yeah. Glad you asked the, the next tour we have booked is actually coming up late September. We've got five dates in a row. We've got September 21st in Portland, Oregon at the Hawthorne Hideaway. We've got September 22nd at the Plaid Pig Lounge in Tacoma, Washington. We've got September 23rd at the Fun House, El Corazon in Seattle. And then we've got the 24th of September in Oak Harbor at the, uh, off the hook. And then the last nice. show to round out the run is in Arlington, Washington at the Merkwood Public House. So you're doing a Northwest so, tour. Very cool. Yeah. Awesome. I'm very happy for you. That is one. That's amazing. Should be fun. Yeah. Nathan McCartney will be playing with us. He's a longtime member of the Washington State area. And I've got Matt Haskell on drums coming in from Phoenix, who also recorded these five songs on this latest recording. And various other cats. Colin Black, he's going to be playing drums on a couple of the dates. Nice. He's a Seattle, Seattle-based drummer. I've got you know dozens of people. Yeah, that have played with me along the way. Like yeah, it's fun. they do. They know everybody, and it sounds like you like to bring along people and also elevate them—not just yourself, but at them and the band and get your music known and create a vibe to where people want to keep seeing you. Do you do covers too? What's your set look? I mean, yeah, usually just... it's, it's like originals and we'll do covers of like nineties and Eric Clapton, Pink Floyd. And yeah, um, that is Mark, that's wonderful. You know. I love it when bands do that. I love when I hear their originals and I'm in this vibe and I hear, you know, some, some Pink Floyd, like completely numb or something. And then I, I can... yeah, exactly. Uh, I love, we play that one. Oh my God, that's my favorite. Hey, <laughs> see, I, I, we had this, I'll leave you with this cute story, but well, in Omaha, there was this band called On the Fritz, and they had these twins. One played bass, one played the guitar, and then they always do comfortably numb. And they were twins, and they were bald, but they had long hair. So their top of their head was bald, and then they had just the hair all the way down to their shoulders. And they played comfortably numb every freaking night. And he would do that <laughs> guitar solo perfectly, just like you would hear it on the album. I'm like, dude, how do you do that? Gilmore is God. Yeah. Yeah. Um, right. Gilmore is God. So, so yeah, can, uh, that's awesome. Riley Edge. I got to mention him. He's done the, yeah. the most recent artwork in the last five songs. 
He's a great artist. Check him out on Facebook as well and Instagram. All of our yeah, handles on social media is called at 1967band as well. Yeah, good. That's what I was going to ask you. I wanted people to know where to find you. And we can do 1967band on iTunes to find your music and download it and buy it, right? Yeah, you can look up 1967. There's an album called Mountain of Hope from 2014. Uh, the most recent singles, it's called Not That Good Yet. Uncle Dan's coming out uh, later this month. It's another single. And then we've got Living Life on Life's Terms. Uh, Friday Night's another song that we released, as well as Losing My Mind. Uncle so... Dan fascinates me, so I can't wait. That just sounds very different lyrically. So I'm, that one just peaked. When you mentioned that earlier in the podcast, that piqued my interest. Mm -hmm. So I'm just stoked now because I've got communities here and there and you know private chat rooms and stuff where I can pimp this out and I pimp out my podcast mind you but this is wonderful and I'm I'm walking away very impressed with all of this this is you have an incredible varied array of musical interests and vibes going with it and I just personally just as a fan you got to be in the northwest in the middle of that explosion that gave us you know Nirvana and all of that that that's so cool to me so that's yeah worth, that's worth having you on my podcast alone just for that. And I'm no, I love that. I could talk to you for hours about that. So, and, but I know you don't have that because you've got other things going on, but I really do appreciate you coming on today. This has been outstanding. And I'm loving to be able to actually have you on to record this and get the name out for you guys up in the Pacific Northwest and elsewhere. Yeah, we appreciate that. We'd love, love to shout out to Pearl Jam again. They, uh, they got a great 2017 Hall of Fame performance of Alive with their original drummer from the album 10. His name's Dave Cruzen. Mm -hmm. Amazing. Yeah, first time he's performed live with them in like 25 years. You should look it up on YouTube where Pearl Jam plays Alive on their Hall of Fame performance. It's pretty cool. It's like, hey, that song actually sounds really accurate. You know, I'm like, yes. Because the drummer that played on the album is actually playing with them live. <laughs> wow. You know what I mean? Yeah. I do. Ah, That's... redemption. I love this. Yes, I know, right? Well, cool, Jamie. I do appreciate it. I appreciate <laughs> the time, brother. Thank yeah, you, for you too. On today. Yeah, thank you as well for the opportunity. It's our pleasure. Oh, I love it. And um, let's keep in touch. I want to keep... I, Keep me posted when uh, Uncle Dan comes out because that just fascinates me. Just the name alone just sounds like a good song that I'm going to like. Yeah, I think you'll, you'll enjoy it. It's very progressive, grunge. Cool. Um, but yeah, when, when we're coming into Texas, right? Isn't that where you're... Are you based yeah, out I'm down there somewhere? In yep, Is I'm on the coast. Houston or something like that? I'm down by Corpus Christi. So if we get a show in that area... Yep, let me know, dude. Yeah. Maybe Hit spring 2022, there's something happening in April. Review probably a longer string of things. That would Keep work, man. Absolutely, Jamie. Again, thank okay. you for your time today, dude. Yeah, have a pleasure. great day. All right, Kelly. Thanks again. I'll bet. We'll give you a plug on this one as well on all of our social. Talk to you soon. You got it, man. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. Bye. Bye.